Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 66 of the Speaking Club podcast. I got my first tattoo done 15 years ago on my bottom. It's an orange Japanese koi fish, only now it looks more like a space hopper. I started this podcast for two reasons, because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Welcome to show number 66. I'm so chuffed that you joined me and thanks so much for listening. Well, I think this is the first time I've ever had a client on the show, but I love Vicky's sense of humour, her indomitable spirit and her passion for helping others. And she she often talks about life being like a roller coaster and it certainly has been for her. But despite all the challenges she's had to deal with, some of which she still faces daily and she doesn't talk about all of the things she has going on in the show. But despite all these challenges she faces, she's turned her life around and continues to push the boundaries and grow. She's like a sponge. Anyway, in a good way, like learning... <laughs> Anyway, she is an expert in the medical tattooing realm and a successful entrepreneur, a teacher and an international speaker. She's completely authentic. There's uh, what you see with Vicky, what you hear with Vicky is what you get. And I hope you enjoy her quirky personality and learn something from her journey. Vicky has taught herself to beat fear and be unstoppable. And you can too. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Vicky Martin. Hello. So I've, I've been looking forward to this one, I have to say, because you're quite a character. Um, oh, I, want no you, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I want you, first of all, to tell me about your journey to what you do today. Um, so I used to be a uh, auditor for a big company where I used to find out where they were losing money. And there's a story there whereby um, I came across some issues that I basically sued the company uh, one and thought I actually want to do something different in between that I did have a little bit of uh, uh, trouble with humanity and I thought everybody had treated me very unfairly which um, as you'll discover later on that I now know that that was such a gift um, and then I decided I wanted to do something completely different. So I learned to be a tattoo artist. Right. So take, take me back. So so when you say you discovered something, is that your code for saying you were such a good auditor that, that there was something not, not quite right and you found it out and, and that wasn't great for your career? Well, what happened was um, the company was losing money just through procedures um uh just the way it was run and there was a few managers that thought i had come across what they were up to so they actually threatened to smash my kneecaps in <laughs> oh my goodness uh-huh um and just lots of things but what that did was that spurred me to find out 
to find out what was going on. So I actually looked into it, found out that what they were doing was um, a little bit under, underhand, but I just didn't appreciate being treated that way. So what ultimately happened was um, they got sacked and um, well, it was a very clicky network. So, um, and then I, uh, and then by, by which I then organized all of the procedures. So the company wasn't losing any money anymore. And I was a little bit stuck with uh, a lot of badness around me. Mm. Um, so I just, I, I felt that I was, I felt that I was treated um, unfairly, but because I'd done my job that I was doing, I felt a little bit uh, lost. Lost mm. is a strong word. I felt a little bit like I was on my own. Okay. And that, and, and you left there. And then, so, so this experience, did that contribute to the way that you felt like that, that loss, did that continue for a while? And you got, yeah. you kind of glossed over that a little bit, I think. I did gloss over it. I took it very personally. Um, I, I actually started to believe that um, maybe I was the bad person. So for a long time, I became very introverted. I didn't want to go out. I, uh, I wouldn't go to the shops without a cap, sunglasses and headphones on. I just didn't want to see anybody. I, I wouldn't answer the door. I wouldn't open my post. I didn't see my family. I just went very, very inward. Um, and, and then, uh, randomly a dog was run over outside my house, um, which as much as no one claimed her and I saved her life, she saved mine because that encouraged me to go out a little bit more. Gosh. So, so like, cause you, I know you and you're really bubbly and, yeah. and extrovert. So that must've been, were you sort of bubbly and extrovert before this happened? And then, and then you had this yeah. then you sort of went opposite to, to the way that you are. Yeah, I took a bit of a knock because everything that I did came from the goodness of my heart and I didn't understand why people were behaving the way they were. Ultimately now, I know that the only thing I've got control of is my reaction to what people do to me. Um, it's none of my business the way they behave. But at the time, I, um, I just thought, gosh, uh, I was a little bit of a victim. And then, you know, one day... Um, so my friend needed me, um, for something quite major and, uh, I stopped at a garage and came across, a, a, a tape that was all to do with mindset and started thinking differently. So again, I've glossed over that, but that's how I started to, um, just, just start thinking differently, stop being such a victim and start actually realizing that I've grown strength from everything that's happened to me. So how long were you, how long was this sort of period of, reclusiveness effectively for four years oh i got goodness. very good at bead curtains <laughs> and what were you doing during that period if you if you weren't you weren't working or what what were you I, doing because i i i was going through this whole mission um that i wanted to i wanted the the people that treated me the way that they had i wanted somebody to hear my story so that's why i went through the rigmarole of going through courts and everything but that took four years so in that time i just used to spend a lot of time in hobby craft <laughs> <laughs> i stuck leopard print to anything with a flat surface so that was the only place you went out to hobby craft or did you get them to deliver <laughs> no i actually went to hobby craft i could do hobby craft through the daytime off i'd go um obviously i'd just be very like wouldn't really speak to anybody but i could go in get my beads and get out again 
Oh my goodness. So, I know. I mean, obviously I did go, I did go out, but there did come a period where, you know, for about six months where I really stopped seeing people, but it was a slow process. So, you know, eventually hobby craft missed me. <laughs> so, so basically, so you had this period and then did you find the tape before you found the dog or did the dog and the tape happen at the same time or what? Um, it kind of happened at the same time. I'm a little bit airy fairy where I believe um, things happen for a reason. And uh, the tape and the dog came along at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I used to walk the dog listening. I got obsessed with listening to tapes and studying the mind and everything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But it got you out of that slump. So that's good. So ha- so you, t- you, you said that you found medical tattoos. So tell me about that. How did you find out about it and what, what, you know, what made you do it? So I um, obviously I won some money from the um, what happened to me. And it was a very bizarre point in my life where I could do anything that I wanted to do. Um, and I was always interested. I was very arty anyway and very creative. Um, and I just decided that my sister, um, we both decided that we wanted to do something like this. And she was in a rut in her business. So we went and just did a course. And um, so I started learning how to do body tattooing. Then I started to learn how to tattoo on eyebrows, eyeliner, lips, all like it's called semi-permanent makeup. Um, And then I found that I started to get braver and braver and I learned more and I grew more confidence and realized that actually if I went to America, I'd be able to um, learn more. So I went over there and that's when I learned medical tattooing. And I have to say, um, when I was in America, I mean, there was women there that were having, I call it areola, some people, if I just say nipple tattooing, Mm -hmm. um, they had their nipples tattooed, but it looked very two-dimensional, very flat, very round, with no detail at all. So then when I came home back to England, I I thought, "Uh, not really sure. I hadn't experienced doing it on somebody yet. I'd seen it be done and see how amazing everybody felt just by something that just was just a round circle with no detail. Um, so then I had a client who I'd been tattooing her eyebrows for years and she got breast cancer and she said to me, would I tattoo her nipple for her? I was going to say, just to sort of clarify for people that are listening that are not quite aware, it's not, this is the, the medical tattooing is where some people have had, or people have had something wrong with them. So, it, and, and with, the bre- with the nipple tattooing, the areola tattooing, it's when women have had breast cancer and had to have reconstructive surgery. Yeah, that's when this comes into play, isn't it? It is, because, you know, women, they have their breasts removed and then they build it back up. But, you know, every time they look in the mirror, it's, they're, they're just missing uh, a nipple. And to some people, it may seem minor. Well, not some people, but every time they get out of the shower in the morning, they're looking at themselves. And the, the, the fact that that's not there is a constant reminder. So, um, so the, the client asked me if I would do it and I just didn't didn't feel that I could do it very well um, because of what I'd learned. I felt that it was just very basic. So I thought I'm going to think about it as if I was going to do a tattoo. So I studied the picture and I just treated it as if I was doing a tattoo. And it was the most amazing time I ever had. My first client, she was so, the feeling you get from actually giving somebody 
part of their body back is a bit extreme, but visually something where they look more complete. Money can't buy that feeling. And from that point on, I've just felt completely in love with the fact that I can actually do something that really, really helps people. Cool. And, and um, so I know how passionate you are about this and you, you like you've invented this, this method, haven't you? Cause you were talking about how, you know, not really sort of two dimensional the ones were in America. And so you, this, this thing that you did for your client, you've created your own method now, haven't you? That that's, that's kind of why you're you know, known as the world's number one sort of medical areola artist, medical tattooist. Um, and you're in demand all over the world because of your method, aren't you? I am. And I just want to clarify, you know, the course that I went to in America, I'm not saying that everybody in America didn't, didn't, uh, they're not amazing. It's just the course that I went on, it was, it was really, really good, but there wasn't so much detail there. That's not saying that, that everywhere in America is doing tattooing that hasn't got the detail. I'm just saying that I felt that I could most definitely bring more to the table and make it look super realistic. Cool. And so, and yeah, when I say passionate uh, about doing a perfect job, tell me the story, because this made me chuckle, of, of, of what you did to yourself before you invented something else that, that stopped you from doing it. It sounds a bit sort of vague, but yeah, tell, tell us the story of, of, uh, of how you practiced. Okay. <laughs> so um, being that I'm vegetarian, I won't use pig skin. Um, and uh, people used to send me, once I started, people used to send me different inks to try out. And when I started training more, they wanted me to use their brands. So I uh, started doing nipples on my leg. Um, so, um, and I, I know the piece of skin on my leg. So I know that if it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, then I won't use it. Because sometimes everybody's skin is, is completely different. You can never guarantee. So because I now know the skin on my leg, um, that's why I put nipples on there. And yeah, I've done six nipples on my leg. And, and, and are those nipples still on your leg? <laughs> no. Well, one is, um, three of them <laughs> have been covered... <laughs> Three on one leg have been covered over with a very nice mandala and then the other side it's covered over with butterflies. But I did recently have a holiday and I was so busy I didn't get time to put a little butterfly over the top of it. So I kind of just walked with my hand loosely on my thigh. <laughs> no one said anything to be honest, not yet anyway. So what did you do to stop having uh, tattooed nipples on your, about your person? Okay. So then actually I, because I'm obsessed with learning, I went on a, just a standard, another standard tattooing course. So I'd done all the other side and I wanted to learn really like nice shading skills. Um, so when I was on uh, this tattooing course, this guy gave me the skin, which was uh, really realistic. So for a long time, I used to spend ages before a class in a hotel room with um, loads of balloons and lots of flour. And I used to fill balloons with flour and I used to wrap this skin around the balloons. God knows what the uh, maids must think what's <laughs> happened in there. <laughs> it's very hard getting flour into the end of a balloon. So anyway, I thought there has to be a better way than this. So then I created, I, I um, liaised with the, the guy who made the skin and uh, we created our own realistic breast mold, which is so realistic because the only thing on the market at the moment is, uh, 
is very hard. It's like hard rubber. It's like something your dog would play with. It doesn't mimic real skin at all. So this now is a super realistic breast mold that if you practice, you don't have to do it on your thigh anymore. Gosh, it must, I can imagine like, I, I, I would feel too much responsibility to even be a hairdresser, you know, because people, it's a big thing, people's appearance, isn't it? It's but massive. you do, I mean, I was, I was shocked when you told me about it. I wasn't even aware that you, there was these things like getting eyebrows done and lips done mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. But having that responsibility to, to do something like the, the sort of, well, anything like this, the, the, the face or, or the nipple, do you feel that weight of responsibility on you when you do it? Yeah, um, every time I still want to bring my best version of myself to the room. And, you know, when you train and when you teach, we give people, you, you know, there's certain lines not to cross. So, it, you know, you'd have to be maybe blind to go really wrong. Um, but you still want to be absolutely amazing for them and it to work out perfectly. The trouble is, uh, is that skin is very unpredictable when you work on it. So, you know, you just, you're very cautious. Everything is done in two stages. So you just always go under, but at the same time, you still, you still always, even now, like 19 years later, I still want to do the best I can do. And I still have that little excitement in my stomach to think, right, let's do this. Oh, brilliant. That's great to have to sort of have that feeling when you, when you're, you know, you're in the right job if you get that, I would imagine. Yeah. And now you don't just work directly with clients sort of to, to do the work on the clients, but you also teach people to become permanent makeup and an areola artist. And in, and in both of these, I understand that you feel that there's a responsibility to teach and serve, not just sort of covering off the technical stuff, but the whole person. Can, can yeah. you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, so because obviously when you when someone's putting their trust in you, you need to be confident. You need to really bring good energy to the room. Um, so uh, when when we have students, we want them to actually really believe in themselves. So we do obviously well not obviously. I've studied NLP neuroscience, so I just want people to just bring the best version of themselves and have lots of confidence. So long as when we teach them, there's safe guidelines, you can't go wrong. A lot of it's very, it's in your mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are frightened to make mistakes and may walk away, but ultimately that's the only way you grow. So it's better off to make a little mistake and grow than to do nothing and stay stuck. And that's what I want students, uh, new technicians to really believe in themselves that, you know, they're not going to make a huge mistake, but they've grown more from when they got up in the morning. And and also with the clients, you know, I know you have a very strong belief that, you know, when you're doing the job that you're doing, these people are in a potentially in a bad place or, you know, feeling, you know, vulnerable. And, and I know that you talk, you, you do a bit of coaching at the same time as doing the technical work. And that Definitely. you feel that's part of your method, don't you? Yeah, a hundred percent. The thing is, you know, we are so fixated in this world on our exterior, on how we look through, you know, Instagram and being perfect and everything else. Yet it's just the shell to our spirit. And yes, it's great that they get out of the shower and they look complete, but also, you know, sheer beauty comes from within and shines through. So perfection doesn't exist. And actually people relate to you more if you're a little bit 
not so perfect. So um, when I have a, a, a client or a lady with me, you know, it's great to give them the best artwork that you can give them. And I 100% completely love my method and my artwork and the way it stays in the skin. But I also want to bring a sense of um, strength from the journey and a new sense of uh, belief in themselves so that they can go forward and realize that they've, they've stared something so scary straight in the face, but they've got through it. You know, so many things in life you can't control, but you can grow from so much of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of the women that come to me, they're really, I, I'm in awe of them because that, you know, when you have to be strong, the strength comes through. And I'm just so grateful to be the final person to end that journey, but also help them cope with the fear and just, you know, go through life with a new sense of direction um, when I show the women their areolas at the end or their nipples at the end, I anchor in empowerment as well. So that I don't know if everybody understands anchoring, but um, you can anchor lots of different um, emotions to things that you see, things that you hear, things that you smell. So I want to anchor in sheer strength health and determination into every time that they look at their body when they get out of the shower so we do this uh, nlp anchoring um treatment at the end of having their areolas tattooed and i can do it on eyebrows as well but so every time they look in the mirror they realize that they are so much stronger than before what happened to them it's, it sounds brilliant. It's, it's ironic, though, given the industry that you're in, and obviously the medical tattoo is a bit different, but mm -hmm. effectively, you know, the work you do on people, and I know that you're just branching into or looking to branch into uh, the scalp tattooing as well for guys that have lost their hair. Yeah. It, in some ways, you know, it's a bit sort of in conflict because what you're saying is beauty comes from the inside <laughs> but effectively what you're doing is 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 fixing the outside aren't you yes that's, I know. that's an interesting yeah it's a slight contradiction if i truly believed beauty come from within i would probably have footballer hairy legs and <laughs> <laughs> no makeup on there's a <laughs> there's a lot there's a line obviously but not to get so fixated it's good to be a little bit um unperfect you know i you sometimes you can see someone who looks so beautiful yet sometimes when nothing interesting comes out of their mouth the looks go very quickly yet you can find someone who's light bubbly and funny and that you just warm to them and that's the kind of thing that i want to bring out in people is you know the exterior yeah it's important but it's not like so important if you're beautiful and you have high energy and you just you know love and i know that sounds very cheesy but you know if you're kind and you you're funny and you just bring your own natural spirit then it doesn't matter if i don't know you've got a double chin or maybe you have got a bald patch on the other side some people get confidence from knowing they've invested in themselves as well and that confidence comes through more than what you've done does that make sense yeah i think i think what because i i think on this it's the same as money you know a lot of people think that having money and being rich will make them happy 
you know, and there's a lot of people that think having perfect eyebrows or perfect lips or, yeah. you know, um, looking perfect will make them happy. But it, those are extrinsic things. But I think what you're saying is that that's fine, but happiness comes from within. It's like, I think something you said earlier about how you choose to be, how you choose to react yeah. to things. That's, yeah. it's an, it, you have to be confident and happy in yourself that external stuff can't make you happy it's kind of I I guess is what you're saying it is and doing the work that I do now I mean I'm blessed that I earn a nice living teaching I earn a nice living speaking Um, it allows me to do a lot of free work for people if they if they come to me you know um, I work for private clinics if need be but I love nothing better than donating my day where I can just help as many people as possible because that feeling you literally cannot buy it you just can't buy it and it just makes I always end up crying I always make really good friendships and I feel like there's a reason I've been put on this planet and it's just really really beautiful and I love it I'm blessed that I can do that and money can't buy that you could have all the money in the world but it can't buy that feeling Brilliant. So you really feel like you found your purpose in life, in, in yeah. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Although, although interestingly, so tell me a bit more about, you mentioned neuroscience. Yes. Tell me a bit more about, about what that is and what, okay. what you're doing. So because when I have somebody with me, uh, a client with me or a student with me, they are with me for, say it was a client, they're with me for maybe two hours and we're chatting. So when they come into my treatment room, or my clinic, I will allow them to talk about their journey for about 10, 15 minutes. But from that point on, I only want, um, you know, uh, lightness to come. So I'll ask them what's the next highlight in their life. I'll ask them what their future plans are, what they've, gr- what, what they've taken from their journey. So that everything is really um, ended on, on a high. So they're associating all of that side of things, which comes from neuroscience because you know, our brains are so, so amazing. Um, There's so many things that I've learned and studied that I want to not only complete somebody with their artwork, but I want them to leave believing in themselves with a new mindset. So, you know, there's, there's three things at least that I will go into and, and talk to them about so that when they leave, they not only do they feel better and complete art wise, but they start looking at everything a little bit differently. Cool. And what, what are those three? Tell me about those three things. Okay. So, you know, the, the main, what, there is three things. One thing that's really important um, that I always explain to clients all the time is that our mind has a filter system. Um, it's called, it's called, they call it the RAS, the reticular activating system, but I call it just the filters in the mind. Now your mind can take in 2 million pieces of information through all five senses, be it for what you see, hear, smell, touch. The problem is, is that mind can't absorb all 2 million pieces of information in one second. It can only absorb 50,000. So basically, whatever you class as important, your mind's going to see. So for example, say you buy a new car, all of a sudden, you'll see this new car everywhere. Or say um, all of a sudden you want to go for a job, but you feel that you're too old, your brain is going to start looking for evidence that proves that you're too old. It's a little bit, your brain works a little bit like uh, Gmail. Um, You know how you get loads and loads of emails, but Gmail decides what it classes as important and not important, and it puts it in spam. 
the problem is is that you're you're potentially missing lots of really important information so if your filter system in your mind is set to say oh my goodness cancer is going to come back then that's important you've set up a filter your brain is going to constantly be looking for oh my god i've got a headache it's coming back do you know what i mean if you think um you're not going to be good enough to do something your brain is going to be constantly searching for evidence to prove mm. that you're not good enough to do something i had a client come in not so long ago and she said to me oh i said to her hey how's you and she said uh poo life is poo mm. now if you think about it that's a filter that she's set up and she's only going to see poo yeah i know that sounds very i couldn't want to swear on your podcast <laughs> that's fine. i didn't want to put an explicit sign <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is her mind is set like all she sees is darkness and that's what she thinks is important that's all she's gonna see so you know if you ever want to have a baby all of a sudden you'll see babies everywhere so it's really important to set good strong filters so if somebody is worried about cancer coming back then start looking for something more creative, like going to an art class or even doing comedy. Sarah, doing comedy is amazing because what happens is you set new filters. All of a sudden, we all go around with a book, right? And we have to write down things that we find funny. My filter system in my mind is now set to look for something funny. All day, every day, things are funny. I'm in a queue and I hear things. <laughs> But it's because I've created a filter and that's what my mind is starting to look for. So firstly, that's what I try to create with clients, new filters. And I should mind. just say, the reason you mentioned it is because you did my comedy course. So you're, <laughs> I've indoctrinated you into the world of comedy. So, And it's yeah. very good. And when I did an Unstoppable event, I actually encouraged everybody to do a comedy course because it's such a brilliant escapism you meet new people and it's just really good for the mind to set comedy filters because oh my goodness i found funny in my parents i found <laughs> i found funny in everything i felt like i was walking comedy like um scene everywhere you go so that was really good you know um and so the filter system so in the, the mind filter, yeah and what's the really second thing um your brain has a mirror neuron so basically what your what you see or what you put in your mind it tries to mimic for example if you were watching a cooking program all of a sudden you'll start feeling hungry again you have to be careful what you put in your mind so you know if you hung around with a lot of alcoholics chances are you're going to want to start drinking if you hang around with a lot of olympians you're going to start wanting to work out you need to be careful who you mix with and what you put in your mind. If you're hanging around with people who are sucking your energy, as awful as it is, you need to really start coming away from them. You really want to start mixing with people who have high energy, who have goals and spice for life, because that's going to bring you up, bring you up. If you're always watching news all the time, do you know one hour of BBC news not BBC news, just general news, you need to watch four hours of motivation to counteract the negativity. So I really encourage people to watch what they're putting in their brain, what music they're listening to, who they're hanging around with. And the final one would be freedom. Oh. I, always, I believe that no matter what happens to you in life, you can grow from it. So say you have cancer, then okay, 
you discover that you get through cancer, you um, live your life differently, you are a much stronger person. So you are better than what you were before, so long as you can deal with the fear, which is another thing that I help them with. I mean, I could talk forever, Sarah. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll keep you on track. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, uh, you know, say you lose your job. It doesn't matter because you will find another job. It will be better for you. Everything in life, I believe, you can grow from. And it's really freeing. So, you know, if you get ill, you can get better from it. If you lose your job, you can get better for it. If you have no money, you can earn more. So everything that happens to you, I feel that you can always grow and be a better person from it. The worst thing that can happen to you is being too frightened to make mistakes. And then ultimately what you do is you just exist. So I find it really freeing to put myself forward for things because if it doesn't work out, it's okay. I grow from it. So ultimately I can't lose. Mm. Okay. I'm with you. So it's kind of like that everything happens for, for a reason mixed with abundance, that sort of approach to things. Yeah. Yeah. A bit like what happened to me years ago when, you know, when the uh, company where I was an auditor, I am so grateful for all of that because that's pushed me down this road. Mm. Uh, another person who, you know, people's stories are so, you look at uh, uh, Katie Piper, she had the worst thing happen where she had acid thrown in her face, but her life is so much more fulfilled now. I know that I'm sure she would want more of a perfect face, but again, that is just the spirit to her soul. Her beauty shines through. Mm. And she helps and serves so many people that I don't know. Would she say which was her better life now? I'm sure it's now rather than before. So we've got the filters. Uh, we've got the um, second thing. Remind me of the second thing. It Mirror was... neurons, what you put into your mind, what you watch, who you surround yourself with. So avoid the news, basically, especially all the bad news. These avoid days. the news and get rid of the drainers in your life that are bringing you down. <laughs> Excellent. And then the last one is is about that just, freedom thing. Just yeah. a freedom. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's how you grow. The worst thing you can do is don't make a mistake because I agree that I agree with that. There's there's no failure. There's only feedback. Is it exactly an LP thing? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now you're known as I mentioned before. It's now are you? Is it the world's number one medical tattooist, or specifically for the for the areola stuff? Specifically, I'm known for my areola tattooing. Yeah. But my method, when I talk about it and when I teach, it isn't just the artwork. My method is artwork and mindset together. So mm. my artwork, I, I, without sounding big-headed, you know, I've done a lot of work on it and my results are amazing and I get really good feedback. But also, you know, it's more... The, the 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 beautiful journey is is that the the fact that i help breast cancer people just got me thinking got me studying got me into nlp neuroscience everything else which then led me to help them but ultimately everybody has the right to be an absolute unstoppable legend it doesn't matter about your story and so because of what you've done i know that you do, you judge uh this this work as well but you're in demand as a speaker sort of all over the world pri primarily to talk about your method but that's not just what you limit yourself through you're not sort of the normal speaker for your industry are you no and and no and now in my industry I'm being called to do more motivation because 
like what you said earlier, it's a tough field to be in this field and you really need to bring the best version of yourself. So again, you can be the best artist in the world, but if you're too frightened to make mistakes, it's wasted talent. So I'm being brought to motivate more now and starting to cross over into other fields. And how did, you know, tell me about your speaking journey. So when did you start and how, you know, how was that for you the first time that you spoke? Was that nerve wracking? And these conferences are quite big, aren't they? They are big. And the first time I actually did a speaking um, gig, do we call it that? Yes. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, the first time I did it, not only did I have to speak for an hour, but I had to actually perform a live procedure in front of everybody, which was really frightening because you never know how the skin's going to respond. So yeah, I think afterwards I was just dazed and confused, but it it went really well. So that was good. Was that Um, in the UK or abroad? That was in the UK. And uh, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. I just said yes to it, but I was frightened. (laughs) So (laughs) I felt the fear. But do you know what? The rewards afterwards was amazing. And it's very confidence building once you've just got to get out there and start speaking. And I realized that I absolutely love being on stage speaking. And that, and now you go sort of, whereabouts are you speaking? I know you've got a busy year planned next year. Yeah, so I've spoken in Brazil, America, Rome, just all of Europe. Um, and next year, I'm back to America quite a lot, um, in the UK as well, um, Mexico. Um, so that can be some motivation or just um, about my medical career. It can, it can vary. Every time I do do an event, though, I do ask the organisers if I can at least do 15, 20 minutes of motivation at the end. I get everybody up power posing and just lifting the room with energy. I love it. Brilliant. And how do you prepare for these talks? Uh, you know, have you got the same thing that you do or do you mix it up and do different things each time? I don't think I've ever done the same presentation twice. I am obsessed with always learning more, um, always bringing new skills. Uh, it's it's hard to narrow it down because there's so much that I could talk about on both both areas the medical and the motivation so every time I will see what the event is ask what they want from me and I always create a new presentation but sometimes I'll take bits from lots of different ones and I'll just keep adding to it and adding to it and then I take things away then I add to it and I just become some little hermit in my room for ages in my (laughs) office (laughs) obsessing and how do and do you use? Uh, I know I was, I'm, I'm a big fan of stories, and, and obviously we've talked about humour. But do you, do you, are stories a big part of your your presentation? Yeah, stories are amazing. Um, it's really nice to have a story because not only does you can just free flow with a story if you know your story, and I have a story. Everybody has a story, right? Unless you've lived in a cave and not seen anybody. Well, that's a story. <laughs> I lived in a cave and I didn't see anybody. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you, apart from the odd trip to Hobbycraft. Well, that's it. They just brought the beads into me with a little <laughs> bit of leopard print. Um, uh, so, yes, the thing is, if you know your story, it's so easy. You can't go wrong with your story. And But also there's stories around the medical side because women have stories. So it's just really good to not only work with you to you help me bring out my story in a much more uh, story way. Um, But also it's just so nice because people get absorbed. And also, you know, I've studied hypnotherapy, um, hypnosis, and it can be very um, 
trancey to tell a story whereby people will zone out and you can um, you can also help with the subconscious mind if you tell a story also so I like that as well I like people to be absorbed because after a story you can then just say something more empowering and that goes more into the subconscious mind as well so yay for stories yeah no no they're they're very powerful you're, you're absolutely right and now you're just so you you've been i guess focusing your speaking on the industry that you work in but mm-hmm. now you're just beginning to transition into speaking in other industries and yes. i just wondered why you think that the message you have to share is relevant for for other industries how 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 can that apply now sarah you know as well as me, because you've studied neurolinguistic programming as well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Some super successful people still have this negative talk in their mind where I, I, you hear voice patterns all the time. And, you know, the problem possibly is that people are so money driven, they're missing the main thing in life. So, you know, you can be super successful, but I feel that everybody has the ability to be successful in all areas of life not just financially but maybe spiritually or in a serving way I don't think there's anybody that I could come across unless they've studied like I have that couldn't benefit from just being a little bit more unstoppable and and being a little bit more of a better version of themselves it's right and I guess there are some lots of stories from your from your work that you know can highlight some of the messages that you're trying to take into you know into the other into the other worlds of corporate as well yeah definitely you know i'm with people who money can't buy you out of this situation it's guts determination and strength Mm. and uh and i just want to bring that i just want to bring that more into the, the corporate world as well because if somebody's got as far as they've got as they are, imagine if even more unstoppable. I mean, imagine if everybody could just do something so amazing that we could just bring the world to be more powerful, more loving, more um, just giving and serving and just everybody serve each other and help each other, not be so me, me, me. Not saying everybody is me, 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 but and you'll find that actually that's so much more rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you've mentioned unstoppable a few times. Now, last I um, haven't this, have I? <laughs> <laughs> this 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 August that's just gone. Yeah, um, I understand that you you basically had an event in a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that event, which was called I think it was called Unstoppable, wasn't it? Was it yeah. Be Unstoppable or Unstoppable? It was called Be Unstoppable. Tell me about about that. What what happened? What it was for? Okay, why I wanted to do it was uh, because, so women come to me after their journey, they get their five year clear from cancer, and they've had support. And I tend to find that, or I've noticed that some women when they get the five year clear, okay, go back to life. A lot of them are struggling with the filter in their mind that their cancer is going to come back, or, um, or they're just going to get ill again. So I wanted to basically bring everybody together who's strong, empowering, to lift everybody up so that their mirror neurons would respond. And I wanted, I believe that if everybody has goals and things that light them up in their life, they can create new filters and they can start focusing in a different direction because I could get ill tomorrow. You know, you can't live your life. I know it's easy for me to say, but wouldn't it be good if you could actually just 
take a little bit of a breather from your brain and set some new goals, things that light you up that just take you in a different direction. So you're not worrying so much. Mm. And that's why I wanted to create an event called Unstoppable. But I realized that it wasn't going to be just for people who've gone through trauma. It could be for anybody who just wants to be unstoppable because we can all be unstoppable. We can be unstoppable in the supermarket. You just be nice when you talk to the anybody. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so, how, so did you have a lot of people there? What was, what was the sort of, was it a good response to this, to this idea? It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, it felt like my wedding day which was very bizarre I really went into it whereby not that I've been married but I went into it where I had balloons I had like um balloons can you can you edit the balloons (laughs) (laughs) come along she had balloons (laughs) sorry Sarah I had balloons though no but what I'm saying is I wanted it to be so magical that I um had an acoustic singer and I just wanted everybody to feel like we were in this world where we were going to create new goals new beliefs I had three other speakers there you know my neuroscience coach he came along too and he did some mind tricks and we all set new goals we reprogrammed the mind that when we left it was amazing because everybody had new goals new focus that they could take forward into their new life now we all know you don't go to the gym once and get muscles so you have to keep working that so we set up a 30-day program and we set up a group so that then everybody could just keep checking in with each other and start a new strong network so that's how that worked and we had balloons excellent <laughs> they're very important they, very they, yeah they were sorry so now i've got some standard questions but what's you know what's next for for you what's what you know i mean you do do a lot of different things so what's what are you going to be focusing on what's your big thing next so my next big thing is i'm setting up a franchise business um so that i can because there's only one of me and it's hard to get me out everywhere Mm. um so i'm setting my uh, franchise business for my method and my mindset so that then i can have recommended versions of me all around the world which would be amazing um but they whoever it is that record that is a part of my brand which is the vmm method um i want them to have the same heart the same everything that i feel so that then the they that the serving and the love still carries on so that's the first part and then the second part is just to do more speaking i mm. absolutely adore speaking and venturing into all other fields and areas as well and then um i'm starting a online course called be unstoppable and tell me a bit more about that. So what it is, it's a, a mini course and it's what's really worked for me. I mean, I was thinking about my life and what, what's really, really helped me in my life. And I've taken all of the, the top ones that have really aided me and are powerful. And they're the ones that I've put into the online course. It could be good for somebody who just wants to have the confidence to start a class or for somebody that needs the confidence to be able to launch a business. It's all the top tips from you know, mind, daily mind boosting, um, changing old beliefs, anchoring empowerment, built systems of the mind. But it's really, I, I'm really excited about it and it's going to be great. Smashing. And um, I'm, I, people can get this. Is it available now? It is. It's just been launched. Fantastic. And, and whereabouts can people take a look at that? Beunstoppable.com. 
gosh. Well, it sounds like you're going to be quite busy, really. Good. Well, I've got some standard questions, which I ask all my guests. So first one is, what's the best thing that speaking has done for you? Wow. The best thing that speaking has done for me has given me so much confidence to believe in myself. There's, it's frightening getting up on stage, but it's amazing when you get off again and you've managed to put a good message across. Speaking has made me feel like I actually uh, have a, a, a message and a purpose, and it's just amazing. I love speaking. Have you had a bad gig? What's your worst experience speaking so far? Um. I shouldn't probably speak too soon, but I haven't had one. Let me think. No. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you work on skin. I have had, I have had somebody when I was working on, on skin and the, the skin was really, really hard. So obviously it didn't make me look the best artist that I, I possibly was. I could say that that was the, the worst for me. But apart from that, I, um, I prepare a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> It's good to prepare. It's good to prepare. It's good to prepare. Now, um, next question. What is the book that's had most impact on your life and why? Oh, Sarah, you could have given me these questions in advance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so does it matter if it's not a book? Well, well, (laughs) what are you thinking? Well, it was a book, but it was on tape version. I'm oh, sure. of course. I'm showing my age now. Yeah, yes, of course. Of course, that's fine. Okay, so the, the, the one that really changed my life was when I read Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Oh, I know okay. it's old school. I know it's old school, but that's what started to, to trigger me to start thinking differently. So if, if I could say what, what made me start thinking differently, it was, it was that book. And at the moment, I'm really liking um, Black Box Thinking. I like that book too. Okay. So why, why do you think Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway had such a profound effect on you at that time? Because it made me realise that actually I was just being a victim and, uh, you know, I shouldn't be so fearful of anything going wrong and just, just do it. There's a, the follow-on book from that was called I'll Handle It. And if you tell yourself no matter what happens, you'll handle it. And it gave me the confidence to stop getting so caught up on the small stuff. Cool. You know, yeah, that's really it's hard. okay. It's yeah. okay if you mess up. They'll talk about you for a day, then what? <laughs> exactly. They'll move on to someone else. They've got to have something to talk about. That's what my dad used to say to me. He said he used to say, Sarah, if they're talking about you, they're leaving someone else alone. Oh, so that's it, nice. <laughs> it made me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Did that and, a lot, Sarah? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, it did, yeah. It was. I've always been gobby. Um, now, you're an entrepreneur as well. Obviously, you've got, you've got two businesses. You're about to start franchising your method. Mm-hmm. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever had and why? The best bit of business advice would be plan out your goals and set out structure and stop having this magpie where you keep big shiny objects keep jumping left right and center just get a strategy and stick to it stop being distracted it's hard though isn't it especially when being an entrepreneur you do tend to i mean you must be an ideas person i find that a struggle as well myself that focus yeah i've known in my family for the daughter who's always got a plan i've got a plan (laughs) there's always a new plan (laughs) she's got another plan 
yeah. well it's all right to have a plan as long as you can tweak it as you, yeah. you know, as you need to good okay and last question then if you could have uh, a mentor and they can be alive or dead mm-hmm. fictional or non-fictional who would you choose and why just one just one <sighs> Okay, I wanted more than one, Sarah. <laughs> well, you know, you only have one. <laughs> I actually quite like Oprah Winfrey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just because uh, uh, her story is incredible. And, you know, her beginning was so tough, yet she's turned it completely around and she helps so many people. Um, uh, Oprah Winfrey, I think I would take, but there's a couple of others that I would take as as a, you know, as a mentor, I think she's she's everything that I feel that I am. Okay, that you. Or like Anthony to... Robbins, I quite like him too. And yeah, no, he's... <laughs> <laughs> right, brilliant. Now, before we before we head off, if so, if someone if someone's interested, because you never know, they may be. If someone was interested in learning how mm-hmm. to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Where's the best place for them to go to find out about that, you know, about learning from you? Okay, so it's um, vickymartinmethod.com, okay. which is about the medical side, and okay. beunstoppable.com for mindset or booking me if you want to speak for motivation. That was my next question, yeah. If, you, if people are interested in getting you to speak, so, mm-hmm. be un- so Vic, uh, method.com. .com. Mm-hmm. For, for anyone that would be interested in if they wanted a change of career into doing what you do and to book you it would be beunstoppable.com yes and also if anybody's listening and they don't know where to go with regards to the artwork after having a mastectomy please just message me because i can i can help okay and would they get to you from from vickymartinmethod.com yeah there's a contact form and um you know i've got a team where they can um obviously they'll let me know but if you're if you just need to speak to anybody um then i can most definitely help okay and i'll put the links to to those sites in the show notes and and are you on social media vicky of course <laughs> Well, actually, I keep getting shut down, though. Well, it's because you keep putting boobs on, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But they keep thinking say, you're doing other things that you shouldn't be doing rather than perfectly good things that you are doing. I know, and it's a sign that they look super realistic, then, isn't it? <laughs> I keep on coming back. So which, which is the best of those platforms for people to, to um, connect with you? So um, uh, my Facebook is Vicky Martin. Uh-huh. My business Facebook is Vicky Martin Method or Vicky Martin VMM. There's a few of them. I have to keep opening new ones. My Instagram is Vicky Martin VMM. Oh no, it's Vicky Martin Method VMM. See, it gets yeah. longer. It'll be Vicky. So Martin. we'll put we'll put it put it in the oh show notes. Oh my goodness! Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my YouTube, which because there's lots of videos of my work on YouTube, for, oh. if anybody wants to see, which is Vicky Martin Method. Brilliant. I'll put all of those in the show notes. But Vicky, thank you so much for sharing your journey and, you know, the stuff that you do, which, you know, I can imagine must be so brilliant to help people in the way that you do. And, uh, you know, keep on doing it. I know you do you do, do it. Was at least one day a month? For, for what you, you, you donate? I, I, do, I do a donation day one day a month, but it, I still keep just, if somebody calls up sometimes, if I'm, if I'm, 
in a country and they ask then I just love doing it so yeah brilliant well as I say thank you so much for sharing and um I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you do your stuff on stage sometime I mean I've seen you do your comedy which was interesting <laughs> which is brilliant <laughs> I'm looking forward to see you actually speaking as well thank yeah. you so much Vicky thank you ever so much Sarah stay amazing she does make me chuckle i love vicky she shows what's possible and you you know she shows you don't have to stay small you can follow your passion and live your purpose but you do have to want it you do have to fight and work through those negative thoughts and take action to make it happen well the links to vicky's stuff is in the show notes do check out the course And if you've been inspired and fancy a change of career, maybe to become a a medical tattooist doing the areolas, then uh, contact Vicky at Vicky Martin Method to find out more about that too. And I'm sure you would be welcome to send her a DM or say hello to her on um, Facebook or Instagram. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the show, please do me a big favor and leave a review on iTunes. It only takes a couple of minutes and it really does make a difference. And uh, I love to read the feedback as well. Always want to do a better show for you guys. Make sure I'm covering the stuff you want to hear. And that's it. You have a smashing rest of the week. And don't forget to grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires, and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.